Welcome into A to Z Sports powered by BetMGM. I'm Austin Stanley. He is Zach Bingham. Make sure you follow us all over social media where Nashville is on demand sports.network and we go live every weekday morning on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter, and Twitch at 8 a.m. Central Time. Got to thank our sponsors because they make it happen for our show and they help out you guys. Renters Warehouse Nashville, the professional landlords in the area at renterswarehouse.com. Mandu, the Pulse of Fitness, one 15-minute workout equals five-plus hours in the weight room. Mandu.com, your first workout is free. Wilson County Hyundai, if you haven't, if you need a new ride, head out to Wilson County Hyundai in Lebanon. Check them out at wilsoncountyhyundai.com uh, for your new ride. And the Bone & Joint Institute, boneandjointtn.org, uh, the, the region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care. And speaking of injuries, we will discuss uh, the 11 injured Ole Miss Rebels in the second half of that game and what went on with the potential of faking injuries and really uh, what the issue is here and how it needs to be addressed because uh, that is something in college football. But my goodness, uh, Zach, this is a crazy game to come out of. You were there, I'm sure, uh, really some a game that you will probably never forget being at and all the different drama that went around it. I would love to hear your uh, your experience taking in the five-hour-plus uh, Ole Miss win over Tennessee 31-26 in Neyland Stadium with Checker Neyland, night game, light show, drama, Kiffin, trash, refs, all everything but the amount of points we were expecting. What was that game like? Yeah, I'll go ahead and show on the screen just a view from my seats. I mean, it was the one thing that Lane Kiffin got right before the game was that he knew Knoxville was going to be rocking, and it was. Uh, from all day, you know, hanging out uh, at different bars in Knoxville, there was a uh, a sense from Tennessee fans of real optimism and hope going into that game. And I think it should have been right. I think that was a winnable game for Tennessee. I think they showed that now, you know, it got mucked up at the end, but overall it was a great experience. Uh, they sell beer in, in, in the stadium, which can be uh, a little bit hazardous if it's a five hour game, but uh, overall it was, it was a fun day. Uh, we had good weather. It was a little cold, but overall, you know, we'll talk about the game. Uh, it was kind of disappointing at the end, to to be honest, because I don't know, uh, I don't know how it was viewed on television, right? Like when you're there and at the game, I, I will have one criticism though. I, I have oh. one criticism for Neyland Stadium. They must get another jumbo screen. There's only one video board in the whole damn stadium. Well, and, and that's that funny. presented a problem later on in the game, but. I, I look, I know it's historic. I know that it has a lot of meaning to Vol fans, but find some damn money oh, and put a board exactly. up on the other side. You got engineers that uh, galore that have graduated from that school. That's my one issue with Neyland. Besides that, the light show was awesome, the the atmosphere and, and all of that. But uh, that, that's my one complaint from the day. Overall, it was a great day. Yeah, well, and the the new video board is in the plans. Uh, the problem is Tennessee's been having to pay buyouts from fired coaches over the last fifteen years. That is no one and, and and athletic directors. This is just a joke at my school's expense. Is what I'm doing here. I'm not giving an excuse. I'm making a joke of my school because of all the different uh, buyouts they've had to pay from fired coaches across multiple sports and ads. But yeah, that is in the plans uh, that they uh, talked about the improvement with Neyland Stadium. So anyway, but you could feel you could feel a 
I think a buzz, and from all the Tennessee fans I talked to, a buzz that had not been around a game day in a very long time. It reminded because, me of it reminded me of Tennessee at Texas A&M five years ago when it was that type of atmosphere at Kyle Field and it was a dramatic, crazy, long five-hour game that went to triple overtime. This was in regulation. But now the story that's coming out of it, what's getting headlines across the country is not the fact that Matt Corral, I think you could argue, had somewhat of a Heisman moment in air quotes, rushing for 195, throwing for 200 plus, uh, and really helped leading his team to a win. Or the fact that Joe Milton ran out of bounds as the clock was uh, expiring as the backup quarterback in for Hinton Hooker. It wasn't anything on the field. It wasn't Tennessee's defense holding Ole Miss to 31 or Ole Miss's defense holding Tennessee and getting them out of the rhythm. It was the fact that Lane Kiffin got hit with a golf ball out of the stands. And then what was the trash like? Because I could see it on TV of all the trash flooding the field from most, a lot of different directions, but that is the story. And as a graduate of the university of Tennessee, who has seen very uh, a lot of disappointing moments in that stadium as a student, it never got to that point where fans were so irate with officiating and with how things were going in a game where I was there for something like that. What was that like watching? And I guess the simple thing to do is we can show the video that you took um, of fans littering the field with all this trash. A nearly 20-minute delay for that with less than a minute left on the clock. I mean, what was that like, Zach? Well, so this is kind of how it felt to me. And again, I went to Ole Miss. I'm kind of coming from an Ole Miss perspective. But I talked Tennessee volunteers in half the last 10 years. So, like, there was a a vested interest in both sides. Here's kind of what I felt. I felt with the injuries – it was like Kiffin was trolling the entire Tennessee fan base and baited them into that. Now, the problem is Tennessee took the bait. Sure. And all of the fans, and we'll we'll show some headlines because there are some not nice things that uh, I think some national reporters, uh, which I think had probably a vendetta and have for Tennessee fans. Because look, Tennessee fans uh, have uh, have had their issues in the past, right? They're by no means the angels of the SEC. And it's just sad that, you know how I, I, this is what I compare it to. And I think everybody can understand this. A flag is always thrown on the guy that throws the the punch after he gets baited into it. The retaliation, yes. It's the retaliation. And that's the guy that that gets kicked out of the game. That's the guy. Now, how far are you going to take it? Are you just going to push back? Are you actually going to punch a guy in the helmet? Are you going to be malice in the palace and go up in the stands? It got to a point where it was a long day, a long game, and it got to a tipping point, and Tennessee fans took the bait. And unfortunately, the bait was something that you cannot do. Like, throwing things on the field is such a bad look 
for the university and for everybody that is watching that game and all of the replays, right? That was the focus. It wasn't about the, the win or loss anymore. And Kiffin, look, there's a lot of hatred towards Kiffin, right? It's a love-hate relationship. But Lane Kiffin got the best of Tennessee fans on Saturday night. And I hated the, the way that he did that because the injury thing is a problem. And it's, it's just as bad of a look. But I think we're going to concentrate more on bottles on the field than injuries or fake injuries, as we say. Exactly. And uh, Tyrell, we will have four live streams today about the Titans Monday Night Football game tonight. But we're talking about this Vols situation. Now, I, I did see this. Uh, David said reports coming out that the Ole Miss section started throwing on the Tennessee band first. Not saying two wrongs make a right. Jerry says, I watched an old man get hit with a beer can by an Ole Miss fan way before the trash ever hit the field. And Amanda says, those saying that Ole Miss fans started it, where's the video evidence? I hope it's shown. Eye roll emoji. Look, I don't know who started it. I don't know what happens, but but it, like, it do, I think... It doesn't matter. Yes, it's it the does. person that retaliates. Yes. That's the point. The guy that get, gets kicked out of the football game is the guy get, that gets thrown the punch or throws the punch yeah. after he's gotten pushed after the whistle. Right. So, and, and it's... I think Charlie Burris in our Vols postgame show after the game, which was basically Sunday morning, said it really well. This was a timeline. The timeline added up and the and the water started boiling, right? Like we all know how you have to water, you have to boil water to make your pasta. And there's a boiling point for everything. And Tennessee's boiling point has been hit several times. But this is not just the timeline that started with the fumble return for a touchdown that was waved off because of forward progress was stopped that made zero sense uh, in the first place. Uh, this isn't the timeline that started with Lane Kiffin back in 2009. This is a timeline of the Vols fan base and football program getting screwed by referees going back to the 2001 Florida game where when the catch was really not a catch. And there's so many reasons and examples of referees screwing Tennessee out of situations and Tennessee fans lost it. And it's embarrassing. I'm a Tennessee graduate. I was embarrassed reading Twitter and watching that happen in Neyland Stadium Saturday night, Sunday morning. Do you I think the ref screwed that. Tennessee? Yeah, I mean, the fumble return for a touchdown was, uh, I, I don't know how they can explain that away. It made zero sense. Forward progress, like, it, it makes the yeah, way it was you... was much earlier in the game. No, I, I know that. I know that. that but like that, that play, yes, the ref screwed Tennessee that play. What was the uh, difference in the game? Five points. Now, Tennessee got a safety because of what happened after that. So there's two points, but that five, there's the five missing points right there. That's the game, right? That kind that, I mean, obviously things happened afterwards that then, I'm not saying Tennessee lost the game because of that bad call. Tennessee blew it several times in the second half when they had opportunities to win the game. But again, you cannot explain away that bad decision by the referees the fourth down and 24 ball spot, the spot was wrong, but it was still short of a first down. So there you go. Yes. And, and and the problem was, and I go back to the video board, everybody was turning around watching that one singular video board, the only thing that they have in Neyland Stadium, and it looked like a first down with the shot that the video guy was playing on the board. Well, and, and Zach, and I'll say this because I was watching on the SEC Network, uh, from a hot tub in the Kentucky mountains on an iPad and it, the SEC network did not have an angle. You saw in the, in the stadium, every angle that we saw on TV, which is every angle that the referees had as well. 
the SEC network in that game does not have the camera angle on the opposite side. Then how do you know that it was short? Because I could tell. I could tell by where he was holding the ball. That's the difference, man. You got one video board. Everybody's turned around looking up, and they think that it, because the line is there. I don't know what feed they were using, one, but it looks like a first down in the stadium. Matter. They didn't have the angles. They didn't have the angles of cameras. The video board didn't matter. But they didn't have the angle that showed a good clear Austin, angle. I was there, dude. Like, I, like, you cannot sit here. And, like, I was in the stadium. The angles that they were showing on the video board, which you do not know what they were showing on the video board. Yes, I've talked to people who were there who said they showed this one, two, it three. It looked angles. as if it was a first down on the singular video board in Neyland. Zach. That's why that is what baited Tennessee or initiated Tennessee fans to get so upset. Yes. That was the singular boiling point. But again, it was a bad angle from the lack of cameras that the SEC network doesn't have. And the fact that, like, the, I don't know why you're making a big deal of Tennessee having one video board. One video board doesn't mean that limits. For 100,000 people, it is a problem. That doesn't limit, but having one video board does not limit camera angles. <laughs> does that not make sense? Like, I had one video screen uh, on my iPad that I could see all the same angles you could see. It was it, the it fact. Is completely different. You were not there, dude. So you cannot sit there. And I've been to so many games in Neil Stadium. I know what the video billion board looks dollars like. to makes not no have another sense. video. Like your gripe about one video board doesn't control their lack of camera angles in the game. They it SEC- affects what the people see. Zach, everybody was influenced by everybody else's reaction. Austin, <sighs> you were I know not that. there. I don't know what to tell you, dude. The camera angles that ESPN or SEC Network did not have was the reason is the fact is that the ball was in Warren's left hand down by his ribs where his right hand and elbow reached across the, the first down. And you like may have seen a- that on a, on a damn iPad, but it is very difficult to see on one video board for 100,000 people. That's okay. my point. All right, all right. But regardless, he was short of the line to gain. The spot was bad. The spot was wrong, but he was still short, so it's irrelevant. But anyway, and the and the referee who made the spot was 20 yards away on the far sideline that had no business making that call. There are so many things that go into this, which leads us to really our first question, seven, 18 minutes into the show, and really what we're here to talk about. Two massive issues that the SEC absolutely have to has to fix is, and we'll get into this, but first, uh, I do want to ask this question. What is one word to describe the end of that game? What is one word to describe the end of the Tennessee Ole Miss game? Uh, but first, let me tell all of you guys about our friends at the Bone and Joint Institute, boneandjointtn.org, the region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care. Whenever you get hurt in life, make sure you know who to go to and who to trust. That's the folks at the Bone and Joint Institute. They streamline the process of you getting back to health uh, with everything happening through their facility in Franklin, that's boneandjointtn.org. Bet MGM. Download the app today. If you bet on the over, you didn't win. Uh, that uh, was a. Uh, I, I, I think we were. I think people were surprised, but not shocked because of how high the over was. But hey, Bet MGM hooking up. They're paying out winning bets. Code ATOZ Sports right there on the screen. Download the app today. All right, so uh, what's one word to describe the end of the Tennessee Ole Miss game? Uh, Zach, I'm very curious to see what the comment section says. What's one word to describe the end of that game? Do you have some comments to read? 
Uh, typical from Nick, classic Lane yeah, There's nothing typical about that game. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just say that. <laughs> typical? Like, that was typical? Like, come on. That's not typical. That is the That was opposite of typical. I'll, I'll say this, Austin, okay? And don't get offended. Okay. I think, and I don't know what typical use is from that, but we've all seen Vol Twitter online, and I thought, it was kind of typical of Vol Twitter now showing their colors at the end of a game when things did not go correctly. Because I, I will admit the fake injuries is a massive issue, and I hated that from Lane Kiffin or Ole Miss. That made me as an Ole Miss fan feel bad. Like I, It made me angry. It was like, why are you doing this? Stop this. It's like a pickup game. There are unwritten rules. That was an unwritten rule. And I yeah. felt like the typical part of it is Vol Twitter got to a bowling point and they got their pitchforks back out, right? Because whether the national media, and we'll talk about them, they know Vol Twitter for firing Greg Schiano before he got the opportunity, right or wrong and different, right? That's how the national media looked at that. So I think that is kind of how I viewed it as Tennessee fans all already have a reputation and unfortunately their reputation in a very bad way yes. was put on display because they got egged on. Yes. Uh, but again, Tennessee is not the first fan base or the last fan base to throw trash on the field. Two but years the ago. Most recent. And that's all right. that matters. But again, but again, but two years ago, Ole Miss against Tennessee in a basketball game, in a game that ended in a in a controversial block charge call that went against Ole Miss at Ole Miss. Ole Miss fans littered the, the court with trash. It happened at West Virginia. It happens in the NFL. It West West Virginia fans throw batteries constantly. Like, like fans throwing stuff on the field is never okay. But it's also not unique to Tennessee. Am I embarrassed that Tennessee fans showed their asses on TV in a big spot? Yeah, I'm embarrassed. It shouldn't happen. But I also don't think Pete Thamel and Pat Forty and all these national guys looking down from whatever perch they think they're sitting in, thinking they can take pot shots at Tennessee when their school is no better. Well, like, this is the time to take them. Right, but my, my point is, Tennessee is an easy target because they're very reactionary. The fan base is very reactionary. So they kind of bring it on themselves. Right. The fan base is very reactionary. And uh, so let's not get ahead of ourselves. Okay. But what, what you you did bring up our my my word. And my word is embarrassing. Because I was embarrassed by Ole Miss. And I was also embarrassed by Tennessee. It, it was a two-way street. I told you. And I, I, I was talking to fans around where I was sitting, and they, I was surrounded by Tennessee fans, not a, a lot of Old Miss fans because of where my tickets were. I was embarrassed of what Lane Kiffin and, and Old Miss was doing. The strategy of high-tempo offense has just kind of come into play over the last 10 years. This is a way to stop it, but it's the wrong way to stop it. And I, I think I was embarrassed by what Lane Kiffin was trying to do, and then – Throwing things on the field is embarrassing because you're going to have everybody else remember that instead of the fake injuries. Yeah. And that, and so it doesn't matter what Ole Miss did at a basketball game years ago. Nobody cares. No, my, my, what matters my, my, is what happened on Saturday night. And it, it goes to 
the thought process of what Tennessee fans stereotypically are. Stereotypes are not always correct, but the national nat, national media and fans all over the country, unfortunately, I think it confirmed their notion of what they thought about Tennessee fans. And I don't think that that's the truth. I know a lot of Tennessee fans that are smart, educated, and wouldn't do that, but you're represented by your actions. And that's what happened on Saturday night. Right. And so I do want to get to this because my one word is a word that John Ward used in a positive moment back when Tennessee beat Florida on a missed field goal in 1998. And that word was pandemonium. Pandemonium reigns is what John Ward used as Florida's field goal missed wide and Tennessee wins in 1998 and then later on goes and wins the national championship. That was pure pandemonium. It was an uproar. It was disgusting. It was wild. It was chaos. Pandemonium reigned Saturday night slash Sunday morning in Knoxville from all the mess that happened in that game. And it's very unfortunate because there was a very dramatic, close, gutsy football game being played by two quarterbacks who both got dinged up and both took a lot of hits Saturday. And those two quarterbacks and Hinton Hooker and Matt Corral deserve to have the spotlight on them. They deserve for the story to be about them. Lane Kiffin's going to always steal the spotlight. That's always going to happen with Lane Kiffin. Uh, and we're going to talk about the injuries here, here in a second, the fake injuries here in a second. But my word and word is pandemonium, uh, Zach. That is my one word. Yeah, and it, it felt that way. It, it kind of felt like you're – it ended up not being, but it felt like we could have been watching history because I was like, man, are they going to finish this game? <laughs> right, and and there was a moment Greg Sankey talked about uh, on The Nation last night with Chris Lowe and Austin Price uh, where he had that go through his mind, and that's and that's a, a pretty crazy thing to think about, but they wanted to finish it. Um, and, and they so, were smart, too. Tennessee had three timeouts. They should have. And Tennessee almost won the damn game. Yeah, pretty incredible of how they were able to do that. So, uh, look, there's more comments. Brian says, like Crompton said uh, in the postgame show, 5% of Tennessee fans are the result of trash throwing, not the other 95%. Yeah, of course. Like, And, again, I'll, I'll put this up from Greg Sankey. I had the comment, again, with Austin Price. This is from Ben McKee of Rivals uh, saying that I give – from Greg Sankey, I give credit to the 99.9% of Tennessee fans who were well-behaved inside of that stadium. I don't know if it was 99.9, but, I mean, it was definitely uh, the high majority of, you know, 90-plus percent of Tennessee fans were doing the right thing uh, and not trashing the stadium in that game. Now, Zach, here is the most ridiculous thing I saw in this. Before we move on to fake injuries, Pete Thamel looked like a complete fool with what he wrote uh, I believe for Yahoo Sports is where Pete Thamel is right now. But here's an excerpt from Pete Thamel talking about the punishment that Tennessee should get for what happened. He said, here's an idea. When Tennessee plays this next home game against Georgia on November 13th, the Vols should play in front of a stadium without any Vol fans. All ticket holders should be refunded. But more important, the significant advantage of playing a home game in front of a crowd uh, should be taken away. With those 90,000-plus voices silenced, the Vols will have little chance against number one Georgia. Letting 5,000 or so Georgia fans in or whatever that normal allotment is would be a nice touch. It goes without saying anyone caught tossing projectiles in both real-time or later in video should have their tickets be revoked or banned for an indefinite period. That's the easy part, the tangible stuff. 
The second paragraph, yeah. I mean, yeah, take their tickets away, revoke their privileges to go to games for however long you want to. But thinking that Tennessee should be punished by not allowing any fans into the stadium for their next home game, what are your thoughts on that? Because I just think that's that's stupid. I just think it's it's not reasonable. It's not realistic. And so it's just dumb to write that. It's, it's overreactionary. Yes. That's all it is. It, he's speaking with his emotion. But that's what columnists do. You know? And especially when Tennessee gets involved because columnists love to go at the Vols whenever they can because they can incite the fan base uh, and well, get a Because they take the bait. It. Yeah. It, it, it's That is the overall issue, Austin, is that the fan base takes the bait pretty consistently. Now, it is what it is, but you're always going to have people provoke Tennessee because they're guaranteed to get a reaction. What happens when you get a reaction? You either get suspended, you get uh, defamed. I mean, something happens. So it, it, Tennessee, Tennessee fans need to work on that too, right? It's a double-edged sword. I'm, not, again, I'm yeah. not voting for what, you know, Walken said. Yes. But I am. Something needs to be worked on of not getting provoked to do something, right? Well, and, and, and again, Dom says this is an SEC problem, not a Tennessee problem. This is a college sports problem. This is bigger than the SEC. It's absolutely bigger than Tennessee. Uh, Louis says, excellent comment, Zach. Uh, and then Ben says they love the idea of calling Tennessee fans hicks. Uh, it's true. And, and Nate says it's a click world, and he just got his clicks. Pete Thamel got the click from me this morning, so I went and got the, the screenshot. Uh, so, yeah, look, should there be punishment from the individuals who acted like that? Yes, but you don't punish one, the team, by not allowing fans into their next home game, and you don't punish the, the families uh, that are sitting there trying to take in a great moment and watching a great game. Well, what he tried to do was take the like the, the grade school teacher rule where little Jimmy is being loud in class, and if Jimmy has another outburst, the whole – class does not go to recess right that's yeah. what he's trying to do but you can maybe do that in a class of i don't know 30 but you can't do that in a class of a hundred thousand no no and you can't punish the players like that that's that's where pete thamel is completely missing but completely rob missing. I, rob doubles down and it, it comes to the this is the problem austin yeah fans take the bait and then make everybody else look like trash you that's that's a you problem, not a anybody else. And until it gets fixed, Tennessee fans won't have the words to complain about them getting criticized like they have. So you can't get butthurt or upset when national media goes after them because it has become a trend. It's not a one-time incident. And they have to kick that stereotype. Right. And and the way you kick it, unfortunately, is you go out and hire a new AD and you hire a new head coach and you create a new culture. The problem is they just did that. Well, and, and look, but you can't clean up Tennessee's fan culture in 10 months. <laughs> like you, because of how crazy well, the issue it's been. is Austin, it's never gonna get cleaned up. No, I, I know that, but winning helps everything, right? So if you win and that's what they're trying to do, and I think Josh Heupel and Danny White are doing a good job. Uh, but and Ben, Ben's right. That's on lane two. And Zach said this. Zach is an Ole Miss graduate, and he's not in here being an anti-Tennessee guy. I think he's being pretty level-headed today. Zach is. But Lane instigated it, and Lane instigated this, and has been for a long time. And Lane thrives in this. 
which is why Lane Kiffin is so wildly entertaining. Well, it it actually is pretty funny because leading up to the game, do you know what Ole Miss was promoting? The Ole Miss football team, their Instagram, their social media. Chess, not checkers. Now, there's a lot to dive into that. The checkers, obviously, checkered Neil and all that. Yeah. But Lane Kiffin played chess. That's exactly what he did. He was strategic, and he won. Not the game, but he won the PR move. With that golf ball holding in his hand, Like he's he's playing chess. And the, everybody else playing checkers got got. And it's unfortunate because both sides were wrong. Yes. But one side was more which is, wrong. Which is why Lane Kiffin is a beautiful, evil villain for college football. And it's, and it's again, it's good for college football. Zach, we run a social media sports business. We don't talk enough college football because college football doesn't give us enough to talk about. The NFL gives us the drama. Lane Kiffin being a super evil villain with a good SEC team is good for college football as a whole. And so now we will talk about what's bad for college football that Lane Kiffin is also fueling, and that's the fake injury. So I I think I have a way to handle this, and I want everybody's input on how – how faking injuries to slow down tempo should be addressed in college football. But first, Zach, talk about Wilson County Hyundai. Yeah, Wilson County Hyundai is where you need to go to get your next ride. That's WilsonCountyHyundai.com. They've got you covered. Inventory from the Sonata Palisade. They've got the the unbelievable Santa Fe. If you want a smaller size SUV, WilsonCountyHyundai.com right there in Lebanon. Quick trip down I-40, exit 236, WilsonCountyHyundai.com. Also, don't forget, download the BetMGM app. Download it today. Use our code ATOZ Sports. You get a risk free bet up to $1,000 with your first deposit. And your first bet is risk free up to $1,000 with that code ATOZ Sports. Had a big week uh, this past weekend, Zach. Only lost two games. I don't know. If I, I cleaned up. We hadn't, we hadn't discussed our winnings over the weekend, dude. No, we haven't. I, I tweeted mine, and I only had two X's, and I had a lot of green check marks uh, when it came to the college football weekend and a four-leg NFL parlay that it hit yesterday because the uh, favorites cleaned up in the noon slot. So, BetMGM, again, download the app, use our code ATOZ Sports, and your first bet is risk-free up to 1000 bucks after your first deposit. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. You must be 21 years older. Must be present in Tennessee. And for gambling prompt support, call Tennessee Redline at 1-800-889-9789. Talking about the fake injuries, Zach. Uh, overall, just how do you – I mean, you've kind of said – I, I want to say this real quick. Yeah, yeah. Nick brings up, admit it, Zach, you loved every second of it. I think he's in jest because of the emoji. So thank you for that. But I, I want to tell you, I did not love every minute of it. Uh, at the end of the game, I didn't even feel like Old Miss had won. I went to the game. I was in the stands. I was embarrassed. I truly was. I was like, man, I hated that all day was great. The first, second, third quarter was great. And then all of that stuff happened, and I, I felt bad. I did not love it. And that was a real emotion of, what I expected the game to be and what it actually ended up turning out to be. Right. It didn't even settle in that Ole Miss still is halfway through the season and only has one loss until midday on Sunday. That was when I actually thought like, wow, we actually won. 
Because it and was the, just overshadowed by so many things. Well, and you're exhausted. The game took five hours. There was the 20 minutes. My calves minute. are killing me because all the damn hills in Knoxville. And dude, so. I walked that with a torn ACL for six weeks. I know exactly what you're feeling uh, there. But anyway, so um, on the fake injuries, because they were definitely happening. Like Zach's on the same page with this, is that Lane Kiffin and his Ole Miss coaches were telling their players to flop. And to slow down the tempo. Because I saw Jonathan Schaefer from the zone this morning talked about 11 Ole Miss players in the second half down with injuries. A couple times it was the same guy. And and several times it was the cornerback on the Ole Miss sideline where it's easier to communicate with the player because they're right there as they're lined up against the wide receiver. Oh, you're getting cramps. It's easy because Ole Miss can always spin it and say, well, we played against Arkansas in overtime last week in a game that had 250 snaps, and these guys are tired, and we played 200 snaps tonight, right? Like, it's easy to say that, and that's why this is such a tough thing to address because you don't – because fans are booing these injuries. And the one Ole Miss guy who was holding his knee with a knee brace – like, I think that guy was probably hurt. Like, the guy was wearing a knee brace on a knee that probably got hurt, and he was holding his knee twice. I'm sure that's, I'm sure that guy wasn't faking it. But I do think there were some of that going around. And so you don't want to boo a player or a college athlete for being hurt. But Lane Kiffin. Well, Tennessee fans and, did every single time. And sure, I, I agree. Sure, but 11 like, is too much. It is. It's, and how? And if you go back and watch, several times as Tennessee's offense was about to get going on third down. It was a lot of times after second down when they're hustling to the line for a crucial third down play. And that is where it's a big benefit to the defense to get that team out of rhythm by falling down where a player goes off the sideline for his one play and then he comes back in and he didn't even spend any time in the blue tent. So they have to address this. And Greg Sankey, again, on The Nation last night, said that he understands it's a national problem and it needs to be fixed. And I think this is where Greg Sankey should use his power as the commissioner of the best conference in college football is to drive this forward. That if you if you go down with an injury, I instead of one play, I think you need to be out minimum three plays. Because Jordan Rogers and Tom Hart and Cole Kublik had a conversation in the game about this because they had so many opportunities to talk about it. They were saying, maybe what if it's the rest of that possession? The I don't think is, that... I, I, there's holes in all of this. Austin, yeah, do you want Joe Milton to come in for three plays in a crucial spot? Again, but because again... Because Hendon Hooker cramps up and he can still go? <sighs> it, 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 it impacts... The team, then what too does it much. do? There's too much but, money involved. But again, but again, but I understand. But what does that do? Maybe Tennessee call it. Maybe instead of Hinden Hooker or or in this player going down with a cramp, maybe it forces you to call a timeout. Maybe it forces the player to try to quick sell. But what if you don't have any timeouts? Like there's scenarios that it affects the game too much. If again, it's a key player Zach, in a key ha- situation. It's being exposed right now, and it's hurting the game. And so you have to fix it. It is There's- hurting the game, but it's not completely overshadowing the entire game of college football. Dude, it's It's bad. not being used as, like, it was a pathetic display on Saturday night how much Ole Miss used it. 
But and they did it last week too. This is two weeks in a row where Ole Miss has been doing this. Sam Pittman talked about this last week after the game against Arkansas and Ole Miss about how I, they're doing. I hate it. I know, but you cannot impact the game because of the quarterback. There's one position that's more important than everybody. And if that happens and your starting quarterback has to miss three plays, that no, you can't happen. But again, it won't like, happen. They won't do it. So, so okay. So, what's your thought on it? How how should it be addressed? I, you can't. You you, you can't? cannot punish a player for being hurt. It's football. You you can't. But I, not, I know you're trying to solve this problem, and I respect because, that because coaches are taking advantage of it. And again, it's not the offense. I understand what you're saying. It this the, and and John brings us up. Uh, he says, "Why not just apply the rule to defensive players?" Because, look, defenses have been ruled against enough in game of in the game of football, right? Defensive players can't touch anybody. They can't hit anybody high or low. They got to be aiming here. They can't launch. They can't do – they can't do a lot of different things. So I do think – but it is the defensive issue. Like, the offensive player is not trying to fake an injury to slow the game down. The defensive players are, and that's who has the control – in this tempo situation. And so I, and I, I don't know. And Mudgy says <clears throat> it's not a punishment to be out of series. It's safety. Maybe it's safety for that player to, uh, again, I, I think something has to change. And one play is clearly not enough for coaches to not do this. If a guy gets hurt and is legitimately hurt, then what's wrong with keeping him out a couple more plays? Like if he's actually hurt, the way what we're trying to get rid of the game is the guy who's not the cramps actually hurt. do happen. There's right. lesser injury. It, like you get banged up. You played football in high school, Austin, right? Like yes. maybe you just need a, a blow for a play, right? That that and so they are taking get off advantage. The sideline and don't fall. Like that's the that's the point. Like you can't. It's easier can't, to fall, but Zach, you can't be anti soccer flopping and then not try to fix this. It's the same I'm anti, thing. Uh, it's it not is. the same. Thing, it is, but it is. It is not the same thing. What? What? What you just said? If you need a blow, it's easier to fall than to get off the field. That's what soccer players do. They they in, in, they they pause the game so guys can get a, a second to catch their breath by faking an injury. That is right. what they do in no, soccer. But here's the difference: is soccer the strategy is to wane minutes because of how referees usually rule extra time and how low-scoring soccer games are. That's the difference. I understand you're trying to compare it. it but it's very It, it is a different when, strategy. It's pretty damn similar. It's to try it's not, to, but It's to control the tempo. It's to alter and to control the tempo of which the game is being played. That's exactly what's happening. It has more impact in soccer than it does in football. Look, Tennessee almost won the damn game by Tennessee, and even though Ole Miss did this 11 times. So, it, like, they weren't out of it. It doesn't – it's a different setup on the structure. So, we'll get over the soccer versus football thing. I just don't see how you can punish somebody from being injured. Because who am I not trying to, to say punish, one person is injured? We're not trying to punish the actual injuries that happen. We're trying to not allow for coaches to That's exploit. punishing the team. You're punishing the team. But You're preventing what, players from playing. It is. It's a form of punishment. 
Right, but if 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 a, you could actually say it's a former player safety, if you're actually talking about an injury that happens, and if you have to be out, I'm saying a minimum three. There points. are different levels of injury, though. I know. I'm very well aware. And that's but, the difference. Okay, so you have zero solution for this. You just think it's going to be going on. It's just going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't have a solution. And, and Evan says punish the coach for flopping. The problem is you can't prove it. Like you cannot prove. Like with like in a court, you could not prove with evidence that Lane Kiffin did this because he's always going to have a way to explain it away. Yeah. And maybe you could do two plays, but you, you, you got to do something. You got to do more than one play right now. I still you think to, it would be done though. Maybe it, maybe it uh, slows it down. I don't know. Like, you, like you're going to have to find, you have to make another step. I think it needs to be two plays like to start baby steps, whatever. Go one play at a time until you notice the change in less guys laying down to cause tempo to slow down. Yeah. And Mark Jones, I, I, I don't like all caps guys, but uh, Mark Jones says you could tell the difference between corral and hooker when those now the problem is Tennessee fans booed regardless because they just played into it, but they, they had been, uh, again, Lane Kiffin had baited them into continuing to boo, but Hooker and Corral both looked to be injuries. Yeah, you and, know? And again, Matt Corral's not flopping. Why, why the hell would Matt Corral want to do that? Because Matt Corral has to go out for a play on third and ten, and the offense is not trying to slow the tempo. That's the, it's the Ole Miss defensive players. It's college football. So maybe defensive, defensive players. players only for two plays, and that's what we that's what we just talked about. And then we, be... our answer was, well, they're already getting punished enough by not being able to touch people past five yards, or not being able to having that you know aim super specific and where they're hitting defensive players well, and making a lot... wants more points. That's how you get more points, right? And it's you know, it's tough. It's really tough because you can't prove that it's happening. It is happening. We all see it, but well the, and. Uh, Mark, again, stop. Uh, uh, your good comments. Just stop typing in all caps, Mark, please. Uh, <laughs> review the flop like uh, the NBA and LeBron. And LeBron and uh, a, a lot of his other uh, people, NBA superstar brethren, uh, they, the NBA actually figured that out pretty well. You know, they, they're still flops, but you get punished. If you actually flop, right? Yes, because NBA flops and soccer flops are usually to get a call, and it usually involves like you look, you look, you just got shot. And that's and again, that's why I say there, there are more differences than soccer right, flops. Because to what is this? Flop. Because what, what is this? This is the, oh cramp. Like right? it's a you can't like you can fake a cramp. I just did it. I just faked a cramp. That's how I would react if I had a cramp. <laughs> and so. You know, you can do that and where you can't say, oh, he flopped or that's real or that's not real. That's just that's just the the situation. You know, it it sucks because uh, of, of what this is doing. Now, Ben says, Zach, imagine if every time LeBron went for a dunk wide open, a player collapsed and the play stops. That's not, that's not what happens in, in basketball. A lot of times they allow for a fast break to finish. They allow for that play to be finished. And in football, they allow for a play to be finished if a player gets hurt in a play. The problem is with basketball and football, basketball is continuous. Football is stop and start, stop and start, stop and start. And there's a lot of times where they're lining up to start a new play on third and something, and an old Miss guy goes down to slow down Tennessee's tempo. And that's just kind of how it goes. And I think they have to extend 
the, the amount of plays that an injured player must be out for, make it go from one to two and see what that does. If that doesn't fix it, go from two to three. But they got to do something. They can't allow I, this because it's hurting the game. I'm I'm okay with two. I think that's kind of the solution that we've come up with. I'm I'm okay with two plays. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to get into what Paul Pierce did or didn't do uh, to fake an injury, but but we'll talk about uh, this in a different it's day. It's not I about just, one incident. It's about the 11. That's exactly, the issue. Exactly. 11 is too many. It's not about five. It's about 11. Well, and how many of those 11 are real? Maybe three or four? Like four guys going down in a half is pretty normal. 11 is not. And that's just the second half. Just the second half. 11 guys going down on one team. That's abnormal. So obviously it was happening and it, a lot of times happening on key third downs because the, the benefit of Tennessee's tempo is on third down is disorienting the defense and moving so fast that they can't line up correctly. And then boom, first and 10, right? But on third down, when you do that, it's real tough. It's real tough to uh, have, um, have uh, respect for how old, uh, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss were handling that. So let's ask this question. Let's get away from the the surrounding features of this game. And what is your biggest Vols Ole Miss takeaway from the actual football game? Now, Ole Miss won by five. They covered the the spread that I think Tennessee fans pushed down to like two, which is pretty impressive. It was one. That's, it was Ole Miss minus one at kick. So pushed it all the way down two points. What was the biggest takeaway now that the dust had, had settled? It wasn't a blowout. Like Tennessee competed – they had a chance to win at the very oh, final play. Now geez. the percentages of them winning were probably slim and none, but I mean, they had was, a, a, shot. a shot. They had two shots of the end zone with their backup quarterback. And that's how it ended. All right. So what was your biggest takeaway from that game? The actual football side of it? Cause we've been talking about everything else for the last 49 minutes but real quick. I'm going to tell you guys about Renters Warehouse and RentersWarehouse.com. The professional landlords in the Nashville area simply go to RentersWarehouse.com to find out how much your home can rent for. There's so many different ways you can use Renters Warehouse to your benefit by creating extra cash flows for you and your family. Also, long-term equity means long-term wealth, which Rent Estate can set you up for your retirement plan. And Renters Warehouse does all the work for you. They're the landlords. You just get the money in your bank account every month. Mailbox money at its finest. Renterswarehouse.com is where to go. Sounds like A and Z had a big betting weekend. Winners, winners, winners. Download the app today and you can be a part of it. Code ATOZ for new users. ATOZ Sports right there on the screen. New users, $1,000 risk-free bet. You can't beat that. But today, Monday Night Football, there's a special promo code. Use ATOZ200, no spaces, ATOZ200. For a $10 money line wager, it wins you $200 if either team scores a touchdown. Somebody, Josh Allen or Derrick Henry scoring a touchdown tonight. <laughs> BetMGM's got you hooked up. Use that promo code tonight for new users, ATOZ200, and start it off on the right foot. All right. So, what uh, is your biggest takeaway from the actual football game? Uh, I'm trying to read some comments here. Tyree says um, his biggest takeaway, he's still confused why Milton ran out of bounds and didn't throw the ball. Yeah, the way Joe Milton ended that game, I think probably added, Zach, to your feeling of, well, that sucked. You know, like the fact that he just kind of anticlimactically ran out of bounds and didn't even like try to break through a tackle. Like 250 pounds, six foot five Joe Milton didn't even try to run through a tackle. 
didn't, he just went out of bounds. He panicked and look, I'm not going to crush him for this, but he panicked and he scrambled too early and ran out of bounds without giving it a second effort. It was just weird, right? Throw the football. Do whatever you can to throw the football. Right. But once you make the decision to not throw and to run one, that's not the right decision. But once you make that decision, you have to see the goal line and say, nobody's stopping me from getting across that. You can't just run out of bounds. It was just so weird. You just waved the white flag and gave up. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely true. Uh, My biggest takeaway is from an Ole Miss perspective, just because that's kind of how I viewed it. But, uh, you know, Ole Miss, I predicted them at the beginning of the season to be competing for a big six bowl. I'm not crazy. And people, I remember when I said that, they were like, what? What? A big six? That is becoming a reality. Now, they got a lot. They still got to beat LSU, Texas A&M. They still have uh, teams on their schedule. But the caveat is, because Alabama lost to A&M, if Alabama slips up, Ole Miss is playing to possibly be able to play for an SEC championship. Now, the likeliness of that is not much. But I think that that's kind of what last night showed me. They had to get past Tennessee, who was trending, right? Yeah. 62 and 45 points, two straight games. They were trending up, and they were able to get the win. I think that's big. Yeah, it was huge. And and I do think uh, Matt Corral is the real deal, man. Like, Matt Corral, uh, he look, several Ole Miss guys dropped passes. He was slightly off, not as accurate as he had been. He made some bad decisions, like throwing his first interception. I don't know what he was thinking on the fumble. That was actually a sack and not a turnover. But, uh, you know, it was very strange to watch Tennessee's lack of ability to adapt to the quarterback design run. And Matt Corral, really talented. And really, he had 200 yards rushing until the last play on that third down right before Tennessee's final possession where he tripped and lost five yards to make it 195. Because he really had a 200-200 game, which is is nuts to watch. But Matt Corral's legit. But for me, my biggest takeaway is is like I think I, I think I know what Tennessee's offense is. Like I, I they are capable of putting up a ton of points, but they also have hiccups and they are very reliant on their best players. Caden Mays going down on a no play in the first quarter hurt a lot, right? No Tyon Evans, their best offensive weapon, hurt a lot. But Tennessee's defense, is it legit? Like, is Tennessee's defense legitimate? They lead the SEC in tackles for loss. They can create turnovers. And they held Ole Miss to seven points in the second half. And they forced the punt on the opening possession. And Ole Miss, we know it's tough to get them to punt because they go for it on fourth down with Lane Kiffin. But they were creating fourth and long enough to create punts. And so I, my biggest takeaway is the Tennessee's defense is pretty good. And if the and Tennessee that, defense, That's what they had to... That's what we talked about at the beginning of the season. For Tennessee to have success this year, their defense had to be pretty good. They didn't have to be unbelievable. They just had to be pretty good. And they are. I agree with you. They're pretty good. Like... And if Tennessee's defense is pretty good with this potential of an offense, then Tennessee's got a potential to be really good. Because, I mean, really, they Tennessee left so many points on the field offensively, right? The fumble didn't hurt or didn't help. Uh, the muff punt didn't didn't help. 
Um, you know, they, they lacked the ability to have that killer instinct on a couple of drives before the very end of the game and had some bad sacks. The offensive line is really banged up. And I, and I agree. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with, with Brent's comment completely, but he says UT's 0-2 without Tyon Evans. I think they beat Pitt and Ole Miss with Evans. I don't know if they beat Ole Miss and Pitt with Tyon Evans, but Tyon Evans is way better than Jabari Small. And Jabari Small is pretty solid. And everybody's missing is, players, though. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's like Ole Miss had their best receiver go out. Like Cade Mays went out. Like, so, you know, it's whatever. Injuries happen and you got to play without them. But Tennessee was in the fourth quarter down five with a walk on running back getting carries. And that walk on running back, Pierce, was not ready for that game. And that's the situation they're in because of the injuries they have at running back. And that hurt Tennessee. But my biggest takeaway is that Tennessee's defense is legit. And that is a very big thing for Josh Heupel to build this program. Now, they got a lot of seniors up there playing defense and playing really good football. So can they replenish the talent next year after they lose these seniors? But I I do like what I'm seeing from Tim Banks and and that defense. Uh, to kind of wrap this up, a side note that happened yesterday that made me think a little bit deeper. You know, I, I was talking to Crompton on Friday on the show, and I asked him, you know, how long will Lane Kiffin be at Ole Miss? Like, you know, because it's not a top-tier job, but it's in the SEC. It's a good job. LSU and Coach O parting ways is a real benefit for Lane Kiffin to stay at Ole Miss even longer. because. Texas has a brand new coach. Lincoln Riley ain't going anywhere. Nick Saban's not going anywhere. Auburn has a new coach. LSU will have a new coach. Tennessee just got a new coach. Georgia's not going anywhere with Kirby Smart. He's not going to USC. All of the big-time programs, besides maybe Florida State, that is, you know, I don't know if you want to go to Florida State, but all the big-time programs have new coaches. That extends the life of Lane Kiffin. And I think you said this earlier in the show, Austin, the thing that, and even as an Ole Miss fan, I don't like the more bad things he does, the greater his popularity becomes right. The stronger he gets, Mm -hmm. which is good. But I said this also about Arch Manning and and Ole Miss possibly getting, I gave it like 25%, right? 75%. He probably doesn't go there. How do you think Arch not about Arch, obviously Arch has to want to go to Ole Miss, but Archie, Peyton, Eli, and Cooper, what do they think about Lane Kiffin? Because things like they did Saturday night with all the flopping, that does not portray that, hey, I want my son to be a part of it. I don't Yeah, think. and Especially Ben says the, the, the first family of football. And Ben says the Mannings didn't like Lane Kiffin. And yeah. I, I, I I know well, Saturday night didn't help him <laughs> like him. Yeah. But in, and what did Lane do Sunday morning? He, he added Eli <laughs> on Twitter and he was like, that atmosphere kneeling was great. We need that at Vaunt Hemingway at Eli Manning. What do you think? <laughs> like, like, you know, so Lane's Lane's playing that game. I don't know how the Mannings feel about Lane Kiffin. I like Lane Kiffin and I've been on, I, I was at Tennessee during his one year. And sure, I was pissed off at Lane Kiffin for about two years 
for what he did to Tennessee. But then I realized, look, he took his dream job and that dream job doesn't come open that often. Although it has after the fact a couple of times, but because of different circumstances, uh, but, uh, you can't blame somebody for taking their dream job at the time when the dream job comes calling. And I, I know Lane Kiffin's a good football coach is a really, really, really fantastic offensive mind and play caller. And I think Ole Miss is lucky to have him because he raises Ole Miss's profile. And I think he's going to do good thing, great things at Ole Miss if he stays there. But a lot of people commented, Zach, after you talking about that LSU job, if what if LSU comes calling for Lane Kiffin? I know, uh, but I, I think that he hasn't had enough time at Ole Miss to leave because of the circumstance of what he did to Tennessee. I think people would criticize him to go to LSU. And I think Lane Kiffin has kind of grown up and said, look, I need to stop being criticized for my actions like that. I, I just think it's too soon. I think maybe in two more years, if LSU would have come open, I think, yeah, that probably makes sense. So you think but he's two, only been there for two years. Old, uh, he's only two, been right? Ole Miss two years. Huh? This is this is year two for Elaine? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't think, and I, Mark says they won't come calling for, for Lane. I, I don't think so either. That's why I say, I I think this solidifies Lane to, to possibly be at Ole Miss for, you know, he's already been there two, three more years. Yeah, five. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Um, if not longer. I mean, I also thought it was interesting that Ole Miss scheduled Liberty at home this year. <laughs> that was a, a wild thing to do. <laughs> hey, Hugh, come back to town, see what happens. Maybe he's, introduce uh, you to my ex. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe Hugh still's got his burner phone contact saved somewhere. I don't know, but uh, you know that was strange. But I don't know what's going to happen with LSU now. Donald just said about Hugh Freeze to LSU. Look, we can talk about the LSU job. On another day, but I did think it was. I've been. I was traveling yesterday, so I didn't really get to dive deep into into the LSU decision with with Ed Orgeron uh, with that. But I do know it was kind of coming uh, last week when I had some conversations. But again, I, I don't know what all is going there. But uh, I do think it's it's very interesting to see what direction LSU goes in. But uh, Lane Kiffin's got it rolling pretty strong at Ole Miss in a short time, and I, I think he could he could definitely add to the SEC West by staying there. I, look, they plenty to talk about, especially with Alabama losing uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. All right, A to Z Sports. Let's go ahead and wrap up this Monday show like we do every Monday with our bad sales job segment. We need you to vote on who wins the bad sales job. Right now, we're tied at 14 wins apiece and two ties. But real quick, let me tell you guys about Mandu, the Pulse of Fitness, where one 15-minute workout equals five or more hours in the weight room because of full body electronic muscle stimulation. Guys, this stuff works. Mandu works. It makes you stronger. It tones your muscles. It targets that hurt to burn body fat, and they can help wow. you achieve your fitness goals without putting any stressor, stress or pressure on your joints and your body. It goes all on your muscles. Mandu.com. Your first workout is absolutely free, and if you tell them A to Z Sports sent you, they'll take 100 bucks off your first month when you sign up, that's mandu.com. A to Z Sports, BetMGM. As I told you, tonight, Monday Night Football, we've got you covered on BetMGM right there. But come hang out with us because we are going to be broadcasting live home game, mainstay, tonight, right across the street from Nissan Stadium. It's a great crowd, great atmosphere. So come hang out with us. All right, bad sales job on this Monday. 
uh, to wrap up. So uh, unfortunately, my bad sales job topic has kind of been spoiled with our last conversation. Because Zach, I was going to have you sell me on why LSU is a better job than Ole Miss for Lane Kiffin. Is not sorry. Why LSU is not a better job? My bad. I, is not a better job uh, for Lane Kiffin than Ole Miss. I mean, I could still sell that. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, I know. But I was going to bring that up, and we kind of talked about it. But I guess I don't have a backup, <laughs> so off the top of my head. So that unfortunately is my bad sales job. So why LSU is not a better uh, job for Lane Kiffin than Ole Miss? Uh, my thirty second clock is ready. Well, you got to do something before I start anything. That is true. It is time for our bad sales job segment. All right, Zach, 30 seconds. I've got the timer ready, ready when you are. Conference expansion helps tremendously. Texas OU are coming to town. I told you all the coaches that that are are going to be in are in new spots right now. But now college football expansion. You talk about college football playoff. Ole Miss has a shot to get in the tournament now. They're better than LSU right now. Oh, Coach O is in shambles. Their LSU is not very good. They may have just beat Florida. They're not very good. Ole Miss is building something plus Arch Manning. Coming to Old Miss will solidify it being a better job Done. than LSU. Okay. Interesting angle. All right. With, uh, and you may not know this, but uh, Adele has a new album. And Adele Grammy award-winning Adele has a new album and you have to convince us why you are going to win a Grammy with your voice being a singer before Adele does. Can you repeat the question? Adele has a new uh, album entitled 30. She just turned 30. She has already won, I believe, 10-plus Grammys. But you have to convince us why you are going to win a, a Grammy with your voice singing before Adele does. Let me know when your clock's ready. It's ready. A couple things here. One, Adele just came out with a new album called 30. Well, I'll one upper. I'm 31. So that's going to be my new album uh, when it comes out. And plus, look, she's already won over 10 Grammys. They like rewarding the new kid on the block. They like rewarding the up and coming artist. I've never released anything coming out with 31 later on this year. I'm going to get my Grammy before she does because look, they've already given her 10. She doesn't need any more. They like the new person, Austin Stanley, 31, coming later this Christmas. <laughs> All right, who won? Austin or Zach? That's that's your job. You just have to answer who won the bad sales job segment. Austin or Zach, that's all you got to do. 
uh, and then we will add it up. Zach had to sell why LSU is not a better job than Ole Miss, and I, uh, for Lane Kiffin, and I had to sell why I'm going to win a Grammy uh, before Adele wins another one. So uh, I'm going to wait for some some comments to pile in. Okay. Okay, here we go. So I'm going to start. Uh, Evan, Austin wins this. So 1-1 one, one with Mark. Let's see. Uh, two one me two two three two Zach four two Zach four three. Uh, Rob did not say you won. He just said first single is called uh, your allergies. So four two. Okay, four four two four two is the score. Um, five two. Six two. Uh, six three six four seven four eight four eight five eight six eight seven. Eight eight nine eight me. We need, we need some more votes. Just had a string. Honky tonk makes it ten eight me. Um, Louis ten nine and ten ten. We're literally tied at ten. We need more votes. Uh, it's the first of twenty is what wins. This is gonna be interesting. Mike makes it eleven to ten me. We need more votes. We've already added up all the ones so far. Right now we're at eleven. Eleven to ten. And now we're going to get Zach's up 12-11. Steven says Zach, so that's 13-11. Oh, man, it's getting tight. I think that's going to do it unless there's a quick jump for me for a few votes. But I think it's going to be Zach. I think it's going to be Zach. All right, 16-15. Ah, what did you say? I said 16-15 overall score. 15-14. Oh, is it 15, 14, 2? Yes. Well, now there's more votes coming in for me. I think people have been voting twice because I saw I saw one of those votes uh, before. Okay. I, look, I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be fighting to the end of this. but You're not going to recount fine. the vote? No, no. I'm not going to ask for a recount. I'm not going to ask for a recount. But yeah, so it was close. It was close. I think I did a good job. So, all right, you won 15, 14, 2. Zach has the lead again in bad sales job. All right, guys, it's going to be a long day because we've got Monday Night Football with uh, uh, Titans and uh, Bills tonight. So get ready for that. We'll be live at the mainstay for pregame, 30 minutes to kick off around 645 with a 7.15 Central Time kick tonight. Also a halftime show and postgame show live from the mainstay. So come and hang out with us. Luke Warsham will be live from the Gary Ashton tailgate later on this afternoon as well. So we'll have four more live streams uh, for the Titans game today. So get ready for that. Make sure your uh, notifications are on, and we'll see you guys later on. Have a good start to your Monday. See you soon. Adios.